Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to gather together as Trinity Church. We're so thankful on this day of celebration, Lord, as we uh, come for our first ever Sunday gathering, that we get to open your word now and hear from you. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. We ask that you would accompany uh, the, the preaching of your gospel with the power of your spirit and that we would see the Lord Jesus more clearly. Um, so encourage us, speak to us in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was uh, September 2017, almost three years ago now. Uh, I was sat in our apartment in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I was scanning through a list of adverts on the FIEC's job board. And I noticed that a church called City Church in Manchester was looking for a church planter. And uh, I remember uh, reading the job description and talking with Han and saying, do you know, I think this is what we've been waiting for. And in God's kindness, uh, it was. And here we are today. Three years, in fact, longer uh, that Trinity Church Manchester has been in the planning. And I'm so excited that we're finally here launching our Sunday service together with a vision to be a gospel community for North Manchester that gives, grows and partners for God's glory. That's the dream. That's what those of you who are members here at Trinity have bought into. And if you're if you're with us for the first time right now watching online, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this is our vision statement. We want to be a gospel community for North Manchester that gives, grows and partners for God's glory. And what I want to do over the next six weeks is just unpack that with you in our first series I've entitled Becoming. Uh, we're thinking about what we want to become together as Trinity Church. Now, I know that Han and I are not the only ones who have been on a journey to to get to this point. We've walked with all of you uh, through what church planting will be like. We've talked about some of the risks and the challenges of leaving City Church, uh, and we've worked that through. And we've talked a lot about um, what we'll lose. For some of us, it was losing friendships or losing the first church that you truly felt was home for you. For others, it was uh, losing a great, great kids work program. How would your family fare and what would be initially a much smaller congregation? And for others, it was, it was losing stability. You had to process and accept the often unpredictable nature of church planting, which is a good job because, let's be honest, I don't think any of us thought our first meeting would be at 3pm on YouTube with a grainy camera, right? We've already experienced some of that unpredictability together. And we've talked and prayed together about the many things we'd lose and leave behind. We've said together, do you know what? Yes, we're in. Let's do this. But it struck me this week as I was preparing that perhaps we haven't addressed the greatest danger that we face in church planting, which is what I want to talk to you about this afternoon. And it's a danger that is subtle. Uh, I doubt any of us will really have noticed it yet. And it's this. It's the danger of winning. The danger of winning. What will happen if and when this actually works and we grow? We long, don't we, to see people from North Manchester come to trust in Jesus. I look forward to hearing the stories of people who've never been to church before or who've turned away from church in the past who will tell us, my friend Carr asked me to read the Bible with her. And God used that to change my life. People who say things like, I met Matt through my brass band and he invited me to church. and I met with Jesus. Or they'll say, Otu told me about Jesus at work and 
At first I thought he was crazy, but now me and my family are members at Trinity Church because we have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That is what we want to see, isn't it? That's why we're doing this today. If, if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, you are why we are here right now. We want to introduce you to him. But here's the danger that we, we need to be aware of, Trinity Church. And I, and I think we all know this, but we can easily forget it. It's simply this. All of us love to win for ourselves. Hear me carefully there. All of us love to win for ourselves. Think about it. Parents, uh, have you ever been in public with your children and they've kicked off? I know it's, it's hard to imagine, but on the rare occasion that you've been in Tesco and your little darlings have lost it because you wouldn't let them eat everything in the trolley before you uh, got to the checkout, how did you respond to that? If you're like me uh, in that situation, you respond more harshly than you would in the privacy of your own home because you're embarrassed. Other people are watching and your kids' behavior reflects on your own ability as a parent. You see, at the heart of our parenting, we're actually winning for ourselves. Our parenting is about cultivating our own reputation, our own affirmation. Or what about those of you in the workplace? If your team misses the monthly target, how much, honestly, do you really care? Probably not that much. It's disappointing, but you'll get over it quickly. But if it's your fault, if you've been called out by your boss in front of everyone else, well, well then you'll lie awake at night feeling ashamed, frustrated. And I'm pretty sure that you'll get into work early every day for the next month to guarantee that your figures outperform everyone else's so you don't suffer the same fate again. See what's going on there? You're winning for yourself. We all love to win for ourselves. When we lose, it hurts us. But when we win, we love it. It fills us up. We get that warm glow in our chest. Yes, I did this. But listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Glory, affirmation, acclaim, prestige. Not to us, Lord, not to us. The sentiment is so strong he repeats it twice. We don't want it. We are not building for ourselves. If we are successful, if we see great victories, we don't want to receive the praise for it. You see, this psalm is written in a context similar to ours. Look at verse 2 with me. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Ancient Israel listens to the nations around them and hears mockery. The nations are saying, they don't have a God. Because if you asked a person in the ancient Middle East where their God was, they'd say, well, look, it's right there in the temple. Uh, they would they would craft idols from gold and silver. They'd place them in their temples and they'd bow down before them. They'd sacrifice things to them in order to receive their God's favor. But when they looked at Israel, they saw two things. They saw insignificance and they saw absence. See, Israel was small, not a big player on the world stage, not a big voice among the power politics of Assyria and Egypt and Babylon. If they had a God, reasoned the nations around them, he wasn't very strong. He wasn't very impressive. But then you go to the temple in Jerusalem and, and what, what's there to see? The answer is nothing, actually. There's a golden throne 
atop the Ark of the Covenant with no one sat on it. And so the nations asked mockingly, where is Israel's God? Honestly, it's the same question most of Manchester asks when they look at the church, our church. Where is our God? We're, we're small. We're seemingly insignificant. And our culture has moved away from biblical Christianity to worship secular idols. They sacrifice their time and their money at the Trafford Centre, the Etihad, their workplaces, their homes. Over the past 3,000 years, the, the idols have changed, but, but people's hearts haven't. And the people of Israel see this and want God to receive his rightful place. Where is their God? Well, he's in heaven. He's far above us. He rules in absolute power. He does whatever he pleases. But his people, his representatives, tell the watching world a different story. They look weak. They look insignificant. They are an object of fun. And so, for God's sake, they want things to change. For God's sake, they want him to be respected, honoured, glorified. And so the implicit request here in Psalm 115 is for God to grant them success, for Israel's fortunes to be restored. But they are well aware of the danger of such a move. The nations might look at Israel's king or their people and say, wow, they are so impressive. What an incredible civilization they've built. What a prosperous land. What an amazing leader. But because their hearts are in the right place, they pray, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Now, here's the question that I want us to consider this afternoon. How do we get to a place like that? We say in our vision statement that we want to become a gospel community for North Manchester that gives, grows and partners for God's glory not for us that's the ultimate purpose of all of it we could do everything else but if we end up bringing glory to ourselves if we win for ourselves then it's all pointless how do we arrive at a place where our hearts are fired for god's glory above our own well listen to the psalmist not to us lord not to us but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do they want God's name, his reputation to receive glory, not their own? Well, because of two words uh, in the Hebrew, chesed, which means God's never changing love, and emet, his complete truth or faithfulness towards them. Chesed and emet show up all the time in the Old Testament to describe the character of God. They are both incredibly rich words in their own right. But when they are together, they echo a specific moment in Israel's history when God made a covenant with his people. It's like, like a marriage ceremony almost. He enters into relationship with the Israelites. He binds, themselves, binds himself to them. We read about it in Exodus chapter 34. And the Bible tells us that God himself walked before Moses on Mount Sinai, revealing his glory to Moses. He, he shields Moses in, the gap, uh, in a gap in the rocks as he passes by. And then Moses observed God's glory. And as he did so, God spoke these words. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, chesed and emet. 
God tells Moses, he tells us today that his love towards his people is constant. It is steadfast. It never, ever changes. That's what chesed is. It's not so much an emotion as it is a decision to love. We often think of love today as warm, fuzzy feelings. But if that's what it is, those feelings go away. But chesed is a choice. God chooses, no matter what Israel did, to love them, to always be for them in a way that was utterly committed and never, ever changes. And he loves them completely in truth and faithfulness emet when god says something he will follow it through that's who he is nothing can stop him now when you're loved like that it changes you that's what has happened to israel god is not some distant deity to them he is intimately involved in their lives they have experienced corporately and personally his love and faithfulness and it's had such a powerful effect on them that it has changed their own hearts they've come to a place where they say it's not about me anymore i want to do this for you you see trinity church that is what we need too we need to know god's love and faithfulness in a way that utterly transforms us And to do that, we no longer look to Sinai and to Moses and to the covenant that was made there. We look to Calvary. Because that is where God enters into covenant with us. As Jesus shed his blood on the cross. Because he loved us with a never changing love. And because he always keeps his promises to us in absolute faithfulness. Jesus, God the Son, sacrificed himself so that he could have us, so that our relationship with God could be restored. Our sins placed on him. He suffered until God's anger was uh, was fully satisfied. And as he died, we were freed forever. God's glory is revealed to us most completely at Calvary. And it's revealed again three days later when the Lord Jesus, our King, walked out of his own grave, never to die again. His love for us could not be killed. And today, his love is still extended to those of us who have trusted in him. He's ready right now to love you, to show you once again just how much he cares for you. How do we come to a place where we love God's glory above our own? Well, it's simple. We look at Jesus. We look at what he has done for us, what he continues to do for us, and we anticipate eagerly what he will do for us later today, tomorrow, this coming week, and into eternity. Jesus, God's love and faithfulness embodied, turns our hearts away from ourselves and causes us to cry out, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness that took you through death and back for me. You know, when that happens, our lives begin to look radically different to those around us. Psalm 115 shows us that a people shaped by the gospel, living for God's glory, not our own, do three things. And we'll close with these three things 
that hopefully we will start to see more and more of as we become uh, a gospel community for God's glory. Here they are. We trust, we bless, and we praise. First of all, we trust. Look at me in verse 9. The psalmist says, All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. Hear that repeated phrase there? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. A community that believes, truly believes, that knows and experiences that the God of heaven who does whatever he pleases constantly and forever loves them in absolute faithfulness will, of course, trust him. Why would we trust ourselves? We all know, don't we, how fallible we are, how easily we slip up and make mistakes. So listen to what God says to us and obey it. We act in accordance with what God says. We, we place the Bible front and centre. We want to know what our God says is best for us so that we can do it, even when it seems hard or not what we might have thought to do ourselves. We trust that our God knows better. And we don't overwork or stress or try to fix things ourselves because he is our help and our shield, not our own brilliance. Trusting in God brings a peaceful activity, service that is free from anxiety. A community that works and rests in security, even when the chaos rages around it. That's what we will become if we fix our eyes on Jesus. Firstly, we trust. Secondly, we bless. We read in verse 12, the Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. Isn't that comforting? I hope it is. We are not too small for God to bless us. You, as an individual, are not too small for God to bless you. His blessing will continue to flow into your life, and into our life as a church family, as we look to him. And we continue in verse 14. May the, may the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you feel the rhythm here of this community? They receive blessing and then they give it out. They receive it and they give it out. They don't exist for themselves and they don't keep their God to themselves. Their passion for the glory of God extends beyond themselves. Jesus is too great to keep him a secret. His name will not be rightly honoured until the earth is filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And there are many, many in Manchester today whose eyes cannot see just how great he is. If our hearts belong to him, have been captured by his love and faithfulness, we will not be satisfied. No matter how numerous our church becomes, no matter how many join us in the future, we will continue to plant, we will continue to share, we will continue to bless. Because the blessing we have received is far greater than we can contain. And the glory that he deserves is far grander than we alone can display. Blessing is given to us to enjoy and to share. First, we trust. Second, we bless. Finally, thirdly, we praise. Verse 16, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. 
It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Why are we here, Trinity Church? What is our our purpose on earth? The Bible answers that question one way. To praise, to glorify the name of Jesus Christ in our community, in our city, in our nation and in all the earth. You know, generations have come before us and have now gone to the grave. Their voices that once sung the praises of Jesus have have been silenced on earth. They're now only heard in the heavens. Here and now, it is our turn. A church that exists for God's glory is a community of praise. We are those who have seen glory at Calvary. We are those who are experiencing glory in daily relationship with Jesus by his spirit. And we are those who declare the praise of his glory. When you see something beautiful, you have to share it. You can't keep it in. The newly married husband tells everyone how great his wife is. The photographer displays something of the beauty they have seen. The sports fan delights in his team's victory. All of those things are fleeting. All of those things will end. But because of Jesus, it is we who extol, who who praise the Lord. Both now, says the psalmist, and forevermore. Our praise will not cease. Trust, bless, praise. These are the hallmarks of a church that says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. So as we begin together, Trinity Church, may God truly make us a gospel community for North Manchester that gives, grows and partners for God's glory. That is what we are praying to become. And so let's do that now. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And in light of what you're speaking to us, Lord, we confess that we so often desire to win for ourselves. We want the glory for our own name. And so we pray that you would change us. You would change our hearts. Spirit of God, come and do your work, we pray. And help us to win for your glory alone. We do ask that you would bless us, that you would grow us, that we would see many people put their faith in Jesus over the coming months and years ahead. But we know that we can only do that for your glory if our hearts are captured by the goodness of Jesus. We see his love and faithfulness to us in Calvary and at the empty tomb. So Lord, please work these things in us so that we might truly say with the psalmist, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.